0: Welcome to the Writer Dojo. With your host, Steve Diamond. Ola. And Larry Korea. Bonjour. Today's episode: Supporter Spectacular, Round Three.
1: My okay. French is terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Uh, we're super. We're super glad to have you back with us. Now, today, what we're going to do is we are going to have our Supporter Spectacular Numero Trace. I don't, what is it? What is it in French, Larry?
1: I have no idea. Yeah, I don't right. know. I just looked up, I would, I've been trying to say hello or different every episode. I had to actually look up a bunch <laughs> of, you know, different ones on the internet.
2: All right. We, we because
1: have a... don't, don't be fooled by Steve's uh, numero tres because Steve actually is fluent, perfectly fluent in Spanish and can pass as a native speaker.
2: I can. I just choose to be gringo sometimes.
1: <laughs> You're so gringo.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> so today, what we felt like we would do, um, is we, we have a few questions that came in from supporters. And remember, if you're a supporter, um, which means you're, you're supporting our gun habits um, with, with monthly fees, um, what this means, and, and believe me, there's, there's a new gun I need to get. So, hey, look, and Larry, I mean, that, that's just a oh, constant state of life for Larry.
1: Yeah, I just buy a gun a week.
2: Right. Know? So for the low, low cost of, you know, at, very, at minimum, 99 cents. Or look, if you're feeling generous, nine ninety nine a month. You too can support Larry and I, so that with those with those monthly fees, we can buy one whole bullet each.
1: Well, we could be like you know, one of these days, if we get enough subscribers, we could be like Joe Rogan. That's right. <laughs> I don't think there's that many people that read books, let alone that many people who want to write books.
2: Probably not. <laughs> okay, so what we what we decided to do, to do today is we have a few questions, and kind of like in our last episode. We're going to answer these questions, but we're also going to try to answer them through the lens of um, what we've done up until now, and and if related, how that impacted us with um, with our novel that's coming out shortly on March first, Servants of War. Um, you know, we've got you know a month, you know, a few weeks left until that comes out, and and what we really want to have happen, we really want we really want people to be as excited for it as we were when we wrote it. Um, and hopefully you guys will all go out and, and pre-order it on Amazon. So our first question today is from Brennan Haskins. Han, oh, sorry, Brennan Hankins.
1: Good dude. I, 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 uh, I was there when he proposed to his wife. Nice.
2: So Brennan says, um, and this is a little bit longer, says, so you're a character writer, uh, wrote an awesome protagonist, Fleshed Out Strengths, Weaknesses, Personality, Abilities, Network of Supporting Characters. Um, Sounds like he's referencing specifically a lot of the the, Our Character episodes that we talked about earlier. He says, Now you need something or someone to challenge this character, and you're scratching your head as to what would make that challenge compelling enough to be (laughs) story-worthy. What questions do you ask yourselves, and what tricks do you utilize when conceptualizing the bad guys, the world-ending event, Brisket burning catastrophe. I take offense to that.
1: Never burned that a pushes.
2: The, no, I've never burned a brisket. Um, that pushes the heroes on their heels and gives them that challenge.
1: You know, that's actually an excellent question. That's a really big question too.
2: So the, you know, we we talked a little bit in one of our episodes about. Um, I, I want to say it was for about half an episode. We talked about protagonists and antagonists. Yeah. And the the way of creating them is is roughly the same. Um, however, um, he he did go a little bit deeper here, which I like, and it's and it's not just the bad guy, um, but kind of the layers of bad guy. Um, the also, idea the idea of of big events and the catastrophes. F- the threat, the challenge. Right.
1: That's a really good question, and the way I think about this, and, and uh, like we we have talked about villains and heroes before. And also, the way Brennan's question works here is it kind of presumes that you're you're starting from you have your main character. Sure. So once again, we talked about like you know anytime you have a show that's named after one character, it's it's a character, it's you know, Longmire, right. you know, Luther. <laughs> it's a show about this one person, and this is like now what are you going to challenge that person with? So so we're starting with that kind of story. So we got a novel. It's about this dude. Mm-hmm. What do we challenge? I my first question then, if I have a really cool character like that that, I want to build a story around. I want to say, what is his strengths and weaknesses? What does he excel at? So I can give opportunities to show why he's cool. Why is this guy so neat? Why is this guy worth following as a protagonist? And then I think of what he sucks at, you know, because no one is perfect. You know, that's why everybody hates, like, they talk about the Mary Sue character. Because it's it's not the self-insert, it's the perfection. Um, you got to have the challenge. Like, what is this person bad at? And then I'm going to come at them from different angles, you know. And so it's got to be something that they can be good at so they're they're worthy to fight it. Um, or if there's – it's their challenge. You notice like a lot of times there's those disaster movies and they, uh, they they start some dude, some actor, and the challenge is like, you know, there's a big tidal wave or a volcano is erupting or a ship is sinking or, you know, it could be anything, right? It's the disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Usually you notice – what is that character? You know, he's usually some kind of like character that has some sort of skill
2: set. This relational.
1: This relational. He's got a mm-hmm. relational skill set to the challenge. Not always, I guess, because sometimes you could have the everyman kind of story where it's the the average dude has to survive the apocalypse, you know, or survive the uh, the zombie, uh, or survive the alien invasion. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, oh gosh, you know, you you and I watch quite a bit of monster movies, and. Generally, what you see in those shows is y- you do see some everyman type, type folks in it. Um, so in those cases, a lot of times what they're good at isn't, isn't dealing with the other, um, with the monsters per se or the monsters themselves. But oftentimes in monster movies, what we notice is that the, the humans are actually worse than the monsters in yeah, many monsters. cases, right? You know, that's kind of the dichotomy of popular theme. Yeah. It's the dichotomy of who's actually the monster. Who's the
1: real monster. Right. Of course. It's been done a million times. A million
2: times. Um, And so what, what you end up seeing is, is what they're really good at is not the monster itself, but maybe it's dealing with this specific sort of event or, um, you know, they happen to be, uh, well, okay. So um, uh, The Walking Dead. Okay. It's not a great show. Um, I've
1: actually never watched it.
2: Not great. However, the main character, he's a cop, right? And as time goes on, it's not that him being a cop makes him good at dealing with zombies. It doesn't. Um, In fact, if you've watched the show, then it's obvious that he's not good at dealing with zombies. No one in that show is good at dealing with zombies. All the... uh, Whatever. Anyway. (laughs) the, The interesting thing is that the idea is that him having been a cop and having been in law enforcement and things of that nature, it actually makes him a good leader. And so when you look at it from that angle, you say, okay, yeah, yeah, I can get that. He can, he can band together with people. He can pull together people maybe who have skill sets that um, can deal with zombies or whatever. Um, But then, but then like you said before, it's, well, what is he bad at? I mean, in the show, basically everything. They're all, they're all terrible. So let let's so let's use some of our characters from from Servants of War, yeah. for example.
1: Well, so one of the things we did there, so what they're good at, so the main the main hero is this guy named Delarian. He's a he's a, because he is by nature an honest man. I mean, he is a good man in a not good world. He's just he's he's kind of wired to be a good dude. So one of these antagonists we made was this really nasty secret policeman, who was the opposite of that. So, so we start with a hero, we start with a guy who's honest, we have we start with a guy who has basic, uh, he has decency, he has integrity, he's, he's just kind of a, a good dude, right? So as an antagonist, we're going to put him against a guy that is a lying manipulator. Or another one, so the overall big bad guy. Uh, so our main character is young and relatively powerless. He's uh, a new guy, he's a cog in a machine. So we're going to put in the chancellor of this empire who is an all powerful, all knowing wizard who has his own spy agency, you know, because, and so you got the dichotomy. So if I'm writing a character that's not powerful, I'm going to put him against the powerful. If he's honest, I'm going to put him against the dishonest. You know, it's kind of like you, you flip things, but then also you got to make sure that this character has the skills and the abilities to somehow survive this. So don't go too overboard where, you know, you're you're fighting Dracula riding a Godzilla every time. Because, you know, then how do your characters survive? You know? Um,
2: I, I don't know. Does King Kong have a wooden stake?
1: Well, no. In the last one, King Kong had a magic axe made out of a Godzilla scale.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess that worked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that.
1: It was like a plus five Vorpal Godzilla axe. <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed that movie. I know it, was, was, it was really dumb. It was like like uh, this is one of those I definitely checked my brain at the door.
2: Oh, for sure. Okay, so so we talk about characters, but but one of the things that that Brendan talks about is world end like events or oh, events. big big um, looming catastrophes. Yeah. So so I mean, you've written those. You've written those oh, more gosh, than a couple yeah. times. I
1: actually have to be careful because I can't end every book with a world threatening event because otherwise world threatening events become commonplace. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing is I try to take the, you know, some books are world threatening. Other books are just, you know, personally threatening or city threatening or one time I'll just threaten your kid, you know, right. um, on the world threatening events it's going to yeah. go back to, so if I'm starting with a character, if I'm starting with a protagonist in mind, I'm going to think what makes this guy uniquely suited to rise to the occasion for whatever the horrible event is, or and then based upon whatever makes him interesting, I'm going to get that kind of event. Okay, you know maybe he is a disgraced astronaut who can save the moon. I don't know. I haven't seen. There's that moon movie coming out where the moon's cry. It looks horrible. Okay, but all I know from watching preview is like they go and get some disgraced astronaut. Right. Right. I know everything about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Based upon a 30-second commercial. But, um, you know, so you start with uh, – obviously, like, so if you're writing a, a, a book where your main guy is a tornado chaser, then I'm assuming that something in this book is tornado-related, mm-hmm. you know? If I'm writing about a volcanologist, I'm assuming, a, 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 you know, a, a volcano is about to erupt, you know? You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's going to be contextual. Now, you have some characters who are just good at everything. Uh, you know, the, and that is not good.
2: That's hard because, because I don't know.
1: Well, you could, it can be pulled off with sufficient, uh, okay. It's like Dirk Pitt, Clive Custler. Mm-hmm. Dirk Pitt's amazing at everything.
2: He is good at everything. He's
1: good. At, however.
2: Except keeping his girlfriends alive.
1: Oh no. Oh, okay. To be fair. Yeah. He is the worst, like the last dude anybody would ever want to date. <laughs> Cause I don't know. He goes through like 200 girlfriends. Um, but the thing is in that universe, the way it works He's a treasure hunter, okay, with every skill in the universe. They got a lot of successful novels though, because there will never be some sort of underwater mystery, you yeah. know, as a looming threat. Or it might so it might be a leftover nuclear bomb from World War II is going to be used to cause a deep sea earthquake or whatever the hell it is. It's something uniquely suited that this dude can be the guy to rise to the occasion. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. Um, you can have interchangeable, uh, you know, threats and menaces. And, oh, no, they built a they built a giant space station with a laser on it, you know? And, well, luckily we have a dude who's really good at seducing women and beating guys up. That's, that means
2: he's perfectly suited to take down the laser on the moon exactly. or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, think about the movie Armageddon. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure that one they did because I can't remember any of the characters. So that obviously doesn't go with Brennan. Bruce Willis. I know, but it doesn't go with Britain's thing about having a character first. But in that case, they had the premise they're going to, like, blow up an asteroid. So let's get, instead of getting, like, professional astronauts, let's get all these oil roughnecks and fly up into, fly them up into space to blow up the asteroid. Okay? Realistic? Probably not.
2: Well, no. Well, no.
1: <laughs> but But so your threat is going to be based upon whatever you personally as the creator think is cool is going to be a good match with that character. And sometimes you have the threat first. And sure. then you add the character. I mean, if the movie is called Volcano, then obviously the volcano existed before they came up with the the hero. Yeah, you know I've Tommy Lee Jones or Pierce Brosnan. Those movies came out at the same time. <laughs>
2: uh, Tommy Lee Jones was Volcano, uh, and and um, Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan was, was Dante's Peak.
1: Yeah, see, you remember very good. I I yeah. could not remember.
2: Yep, I remember. I want to say I saw Volcano in the theater, dude. Wow, I know. Dang. I know. You
1: were apparently the only one.
2: Me, yep. it was. Well, I mean, it was me and my dad. So <laughs> there was at least two of us that saw it in the theater. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I like this question because um, I, I, I think Brennan's head's in the right spot. I think that I, I like where his head is going. And that's, you know, he, he says, look, I, I've got this really cool character. I like this character. But how do I make their life suck? Um, you know, that's when I write horror, that's, that's the first question that pops in my head and that's okay. How am I going to screw with my characters? Yeah. Um, now a lot of horror tends to have the whole victim fiction thing. And so, um, in a lot of those stories, the characters, rather than being good at something, um, they're just not good at anything and they're just, you know, wet tissue paper Waiting well, to be ripped in half.
1: Like we said before, the difference, what separates why Monster Hunter is not horror versus why it's urban fantasy is it's the strength of the protagonist, the capability mm-hmm. of the protagonists. It, it, horror is like, you know, creeping dread where you're going to get eaten no matter what. And like Monster Hunter is like, you're going to get eaten no matter what. But by golly, you're going to take this thing mm-hmm. with you.
2: And so I w- what I like is um, the idea that, that Brandon is looking at this and saying, OK, what what can I bring into this? that is actually a challenge, you know, like he says at the end, um, that pushes the heroes on their heels and gives them a challenge. Um, and, and I think the implication there, um, at least I hope the implication there is that Brennan actually wants to write something that is a challenge for the heroes, because right. I think that's one of the big faults that we see, whether or not the, the character is good or bad at something, they, um, they overcome the problem too quickly. I mean, that's basically every Marvel movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, a common thing because they were working in a, you know, two hour format mm-hmm. and the first act is usually introducing the character or how they got to that point. Yeah. And then so they just kind of solve the problem. Yeah, that that makes that makes perfect yeah. sense.
2: So so I guess there for you, Brendan, that the big thing is, is to do do a lot of what Larry was talking about. So what I suggest is, um, I don't know, may, maybe in a in a little Excel spreadsheet or something, because we're accountants. Um you know, put, you know, list out what these characters are kind of in a column, um, or, or their, their traits in a column, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, and then on the foot on the, you know, right next to it, write down what some of the opposite, the opposite effects of those are and then say, okay, what kind of cool character or what kind of, um, like cool villain, I guess, or what kind of crazy event could capture a good chunk of these, these, um, uh, these negatives that would impact the character in such a way and may- maybe use that as a starting spot
1: yeah depending on the kind of thing you're writing it could be anything from like personal tragedy mm-hmm. uh i mean it could be you know crime it could yeah. be you know loss it could be you know big explosions it's it's just it's there's a million possibilities depending on the kind of genre you're writing.
2: Yep. All right. So we're going to go on our break. and we come back, we're going to answer uh, a couple more questions that we got for you. We'll be right back.
0: Julie LaPlante's life of day job drudgery is shattered when she's abducted by a menacing stranger. Waking in a cheap motel room, Julie makes a terrifying discovery. There's a bomb strapped to her chest, and the timer is counting down. Julie has 24 hours to travel 1,000 miles, where a hidden code that disarms the device Waits. No car, no money, no phone. No way to contact anyone for help. Julie's been left with nothing but the clothes on her back and a single deadly object, a loaded gun. As the countdown ticks towards certain death, Julie sets out on a journey that will not only test her to the core, but plunge her into a dark conspiracy that could forever alter the fabric of society itself. Waypoint, a novel by Matthew Howe. It's available on Amazon.com. Pick up your copy today.
2: And welcome back. All right. We we've got uh, kind of a, a shorter question and then uh, and then a longer question that, that'll occupy the, the latter half of this this episode, Larry. So this first question is from Oh, I think it's Michaela. I hope that's how that's pronounced. If not, I'm so sorry, supporter McCaleb, probably. um, Says, uh, my question for Writer Dojo, both of you said that you're fans of fan fictions. And and yeah, we are. Um, In fact, I mean, I've been very open that that's that's how I became a better writer.
1: I think it's a a good tool. I haven't Mm -hmm. really done it myself well, except a little bit, I guess, for fun. Sure, but I mean... Screwing around.
2: Yeah. Um, Says, was there a time for both... Uh, let me see. Was there a time you both were curious, brave, or masochistic enough to search for fan work, fan fictions, <laughs> fan arts, etc. of your own books? She says they exist. I found them.
1: Oh yeah, there's.
2: Um. So I have never looked. I didn't think I rated worthy enough to look. Um. I I, have... I doubt that there is of mine. But I have a ton. I'm uh, sure there is. Hundreds.
1: Um. In fact, there's there's whole Facebook. There's a whole Facebook group. Uh, that is just MHI fan fiction.
2: Oh, you know what? I think I have seen some of these.
1: Yeah, and there's there's it's been on web forums, it's been uh-huh. on the internet, and they're fanfiction.net. Now, let me tell you this, though. That for legal reasons, a creator of uh, a universe will never, ever, ever admit uh, to reading any fan fiction for legal reasons. This is for our own protection, and it's for one big reason, because um, there have been cases where uh, someone will do fan fiction. And in the old days, they used to like just mail their script to Star Trek or whatever. Um, and those would get returned unopened. Yeah, and it's because of this reason. Because let's say that you wrote some fan fiction and in that fan fiction, you decided to have uh, the main character of one of my series do a certain thing. Then let's say that a year from now, a book comes out where I had the main character do that certain thing. And it could just be a total... Um, Uh, a fluke, it was just like, you know, coincidence or something that was like logically set up and that fan understood that it was logically set up for that to happen. But whatever the reason, that fan is like, well, that's my idea. Yeah. The creator stole my idea.
2: Yeah. That's a problem.
1: It is a problem. It's a real problem. So uh, I, as a creator of an owner of an IP can never read fan fiction uh, in that IP Now, when I, when I do like an anthology, um, it's different because in that case I am actually asking for submissions from specific people and we are contracted so that if they come up with a cool idea, but they're writing it for me on my universe and I'm paying them, I own that idea. That's my idea from now on. I can do whatever I want with that.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I, I wrote for your monster hunter series. Um, and, and it was understood. I mean, one, there was all sorts of rules involved. Um you know, uh, I, I remember you going through the, the story pretty, you know, with a fine, with a fine tooth comb. Um, and, and I know that you were comparing it against, I know that you were comparing it against other stories, um, that were being written. So they weren't the same, um, you know, uh, ideas that you had for the future of the, of the series to make sure that, that I wasn't, um, accidentally, Gonna screw you up later on.
1: Yeah, so it's a very so when you're when you're buying stuff for your IP, it's a very meticulous process. And you know there could be some really good fan fiction out there, but it's one of those things I can't I can't touch it with a ten football.
2: No, and 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 I'm that said.
1: I do encourage you guys to go out and do if you are enjoying writing MHI stories or whatever else grim yeah. noir or whatever. Uh, I think that's fantastic, and I encourage you guys, and I hope you have a lot of fun doing it.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I hope it makes you better writers. Good practice.
2: Well, shoot. I mean, that's that. That's how I got better.
1: Also, don't be afraid, guys, if you write fan fiction uh, to practice and get better. If you come up with a really good story in somebody else's universe to and you think it's a really good story that you could do something, don't contact the author. That's not going to go anywhere, right? And, and actually, it, that really sucks for us, too. Because we get contacted by people all the time. We're like, I got this great story for you. He's like, that's great, dude. Uh, maybe, maybe talk to me when my next, uh, you know, next time I'm doing submissions for an anthology. But in the meantime, it's a pain in my butt. And it kind of sucks. And you and 10,000 other people have asked me the same thing. And I got to tell you all, no, and it sucks, right? And I'm a ba- I get to be a bad person every time. Mm-hmm. But I can't just take every story off the internet. And some people are really demanding. And that makes me want to work with them less Well, and, in the and, future.
2: And likewise, don't approach... Said authors' friends, and ask them if you would like to, uh, you know, give Larry this story. Yeah, that's not. That totally that totally fits within the Monster Hunter universe. Yeah,
1: don't do that to my wife either. And people have done that. People have
2: done that to me more than a few times.
1: I wish I I, uh, just don't do that, guys. Um, We will do another episode entirely about writing for other people's IPs uh, Mm -hmm. because that's a whole different thing. You got to know about. I've done it both ways. Yeah, so have I. Uh, You know, so so we'll talk about that more. But on fan fiction, go out, have fun, enjoy yourself. And all I was going to say is if you write something really good and you want to try to publish it, don't try to sell it to the creator. Scrub the serial numbers off it. Change the universe. Change the characters into new, unique characters that belong to you. And change the setting. Whatever you need to do to make it so it's not plagiarized. It's no longer you know stealing somebody else's universe. And once you've created your own thing... Go sell that. Go try to sell that to a publisher because now it's no longer fan fiction. It's real fiction. It's your fiction.
2: And we've done that. We have done that. We're about to. <laughs> we're, we're about to publish that book. We're about to get
1: paid for that. <laughs> um, so that's one of the things, guys, just, you know, be careful of that. So.
2: Yeah. All right. Okay. Last question. And this is from Scott. Um, he says, uh, I know this podcast is about hearing your advice and insights, but I'm curious to know whose advice and insights you sought as a new writer. Very good question. Um, what resources, courses, books, websites, et cetera, did you rely on when you were first honing your craft and trying to become better as a writer? And then Scott says, I've recently been I've recently reread Writing to the Point by some guy's name I can't pronounce. Uh, Algis... Budgeries, Sorry. English is my first language, but sometimes it's not, <laughs> <You can't tell. laughs> um, I know. <clears throat> uh, and I also took the free writers of the future workshop run by Dave Farland and, uh, and some of those folks. Um, what else would you recommend? This is a really, really good question. And um, interesting timing too. And very interesting timing.
1: Yeah. Dave Farland, for those guys, those of you who don't know, Dave Farland, uh, uh, his real name is Dave Wolverton. Uh, Dave Farland was his pen name. He's uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, I've known Dave for many years. He passed away recently. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, great guy. Going to be missed because, honestly, I'll tell you, uh, uh, not getting personal, but just like from a writer perspective, that dude did more to uplift and help other new writers than probably anybody else alive or oh, yeah. anybody else in modern times. I. That you gotta understand, Dave. um It was interesting after Dave died to see the outpouring from hundreds.
2: Oh yeah. Of authors. And and a lot of it was, oh yeah, Dave took the time to sit down and read my story and tell me, and, yeah, and and you know give me encouragement or give me pointers. Yeah, it wasn't or whatever. vague.
1: It wasn't vague stuff. It was specifics. No. If tell you, like my personal thing with lots him. of published authors now. Oh, hugely published authors too. Dave actually one time said he had like of. um of all the years of all the people he taught, he had like 200 authors or 200 of his students become bestsellers.
2: That's insane.
1: Yeah, it's insane. Because this guy did it for most of his life and he was an amazing teacher. Okay, so my Dave story, when I started, like, so this actually does answer that question too. When I was starting out, um, my very first book tour I ever went on was because this is before I was famous at all. I just had the one book. Bain wasn't paying for this. But uh, Dave Dave Wolverton liked to team up with other writers and they would go around America and do book signings and that kind of thing. And uh, Dave was supposed to go with this other relatively new writer, some dude named Brandon Sanderson. I guess mm-hmm. he did okay afterwards. Yeah. And uh, it was Dave, Brandon, and Lee Modisett were supposed right. to go together. I think Lee had something come up or got sick. I think, I think Lee got sick. Brandon had something come up. And so in the last minute, Dave Wolverton had all these uh, book signings scheduled and no people to go with. So he had just met me and John Brown, who were both noob guys at the time, with one book out, and he grabbed us. He's like, "Hey, you guys want to go on book tour? Because <laughs> I got all these appointments around America." And so uh, we did. And uh, so my very first book tour was driving. I, I want to say it was a Cadillac. It might have been something else, but Dave had this giant I car. Was,
2: I think it was a Caddy.
1: It was this tuna boat of a car. It was, it was like it was like eighteen feet wide. It was it seriously, was, it, was, it was a ten foot wide car.
2: So you actually fit in it.
1: Oh, I, I was very comfortable, and I wound up driving most of the time and uh, around Southern California. Oh, yeah. And so I remember the worst part is that we went to a Barnes & Noble that was in a uh, like uh, shopping mall, so it had an indoor parking lot, and I had to park this thing between a Maserati and, uh, I'm trying to remember what the other car was, but it was two expensive Italian cars in an indoor parking garage and the only space by the Barnes & Noble. I'm trying to fit this tuna barge. In between the two, right, without scratching the door of a two hundred thousand dollar Italian car, yeah, super fun. But no, Dave was um, Dave was definitely one of those voices that that uh, uplifted people and and helped innumerable writers.
2: Oh my gosh, so many. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, I didn't. You know, I never got to to hang out with Dave in that sort of context. Um, you know, I was always on panels with him. Um, you know, ate lunch and stuff with them here and there at various conventions. Um, but I didn't, I didn't get to know him as well as a lot of other people to, to my, to my detriment. Um, you know, but you know, I, I went to a number of signings back in my, in my, in ye olden bookstore times when I was that guy. Um, I remember, I remember part of that tour when he was with, um, it was him and Brandon and Lee. And, uh, I I think I just, either I just quit the bookstore or. Um, or I was about to, I think I was about to, and, uh, cause I was working at two different bookstores at that time, that one down in Provo and then the one up in Salt Lake too. And so I was working at both stores, um, and at the, the Provo one, they, all three showed up. And so I, I went down there to, to, you know, to say, Hey, cause I knew Brandon at the time. Um, and that was when I first really met Lee as well. Um, Great guy. And, and, and Lee is a fountain of knowledge as well. Yeah.
1: I, I really like Lee a lot.
2: Um, and, and I remember speaking with, um, you know, with Dave quite a bit at that signing cause I already knew Brandon. I didn't need to talk to that guy. Um, but I, I spoke with Dave quite a bit and, and, and the thing about him is he was always so nice, so courteous, um, uh, and, and just genuinely excited. He kind of had that, uh, that whole kind of like almost hippie attitude going, um, you know, like he was kind of like, yeah, well, you know, and, you know, all, all that kind of peace and love and and stuff like that um great guy
1: he was pretty chill yeah yeah
2: um you know and and for meeting people like that i i've always tried to be that guy as well um because i figure i figure if i can be half as helpful and half as as approachable as those guys then then you know the writing community is a better spot because there's plenty of douchebags out there
1: yeah Well, I know I am one of them. I mean, I I (laughs) depends
2: depends on which layer we're talking about.
1: Well, I help I help people, I help people that are decent, and then I have no mercy upon others. So, no. Um.
2: But in terms of like other resources, apart from you know like Dave himself, Dave himself was an immense resource. He was
1: probably the best there's ever been.
2: Um, I personally don't really do, like, like writer resources, like like how to how to write books well, books
1: one of the one of the one of the reasons we started this podcast was specifically because we were disgruntled mm-hmm. with the state of a lot of the other stuff out there because a lot of the writing stuff tended to be either stuff that we would not necessarily agree with or it tended to be rigged a, a certain direction yeah and the most awful thing that's happened to writing resources in recent years has been the wokeification of writing resources where everything, in the universe was through the prism of politics, yeah. which is just nauseating. Yeah. Um So there, as far as resources that are out there, my you gosh. know,
2: it, take a look at some of your local universities, um, and you might you might luck out. Um, for example, I mean, I I, yeah, I I took classes from Brandon.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends because that's going to be a crapshoot too. Yeah, it just depends,
2: and I, and I know that you've taught uh, you yeah, taught I, some various classes. I've, I've taught
1: I've taught college uh, creative writing classes and. Uh, which is funny because a, uh, uh, I got rated well, at the end of the quarter or the end of the semester when the students do their little uh, cards. I I smoked the actual professors, and every student was like, wow, this was so much better than the real college creative writing class. This, well, yeah. Is, this is way better because I actually, you know. Uh, You've actually done it. Yeah, and so I, I've never been invited back. <laughs> Shocker. I did too good of a job. Um, no, but the thing is because the problem you run into is that a lot of um, – A lot of college creative writing classes are taught by professors who haven't necessarily published anything outside of maybe like literary journals that are read by literally tens of people. If you count the editorial staff, I mean, it's, it's, it's people who've maybe published a book 20 years ago.
2: Now, I think if, I think if you find, you know, outside of, of lucking out and having a pretty decent professor roundabouts, um, if you if you happen to have a pretty good um, local convention, um, I think you can go to those local conventions and and sit in on some panels and learn some good stuff. Well, Make I mean, some I, good connections. I, I've, praised,
1: I've praised our local colonel, LTUE for like thirteen years, you know. And I, I, but this last year they went really stupid with uh, the vaccinations and crap. And so I'm yeah. just like, you know what, I'm done. They it's, went all
2: they went all papers please on this. They did,
1: and I don't. I don't feel like need. I don't need to be a good German to assure the other Germans I have no Jews hidden in my attic. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry. It's just my private medical business is none of your damn business, you know. And so mm-hmm. I, I said, No, nah, I'm out. I'm done. And, but the thing is, I'm not gonna say it's not a good resource. It's a good resource, but I you know I'm sure. gonna jump through hoops.
2: But then, but you can you can find um depending on where you're at. I mean, I've I've been to one up in Montana. Um, I know that there's a few in Colorado that are pretty good. Uh,
1: 20 books to 50k in Las Vegas, The Vegas one. Uh, very, very is it's it's aimed at indie writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very, very, um, business oriented. It's very Which is pragmatic because it's all indie writers. So they're making it or breaking it. So there's not a lot of artsy fartsy navel gazing in here. Cause they're not, these people are their own publishers. So there's no, like, I'm going to depend on my publisher to do all the hard stuff where I can go be artistic. Right. They don't have time for that. And so, actually, I recommend that one. That was uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to that again and oh. uh, teach some classes. I, I really enjoy. I was I was impressed by that. Oh,
2: one. Maybe I'll go to that one this year.
1: I, I mean, I actually really did like it. Yeah. And then um,
2: I don't know as far as uh, Liberty Con is is has. I haven't been to Liberty Con. Liberty myself.
1: Con is super fun. I don't know how much like learning happens at Liberty <laughs> Con versus partying and drinking and uh, and just hanging out. And uh, I I I love I love that one. Dragon Con same thing.
0: Dragon
2: Con's a party con.
1: Party con I don't know how much you actually like would learn as far as spending your money as a writer and trying to be good. You know, there's a lot of how to write books out there, but I, I, once again, I, I just know. depend on how much you agree with that particular writer.
2: I mean, I mean, a how to write writer's book, just, it, it feels like it's trying to be one size fits all. Yeah. I and thought
1: about actually compiling a bunch of my blog posts and doing a how to write. Sure. book, But it's very specific. It's going to be like, you know, it's like, it's like that book, make love the Bruce Campbell way, you know, it's like how to write books, Larry Cree way Um, but everybody talked about like the Stephen King on writing books, sure. you know, there's uh, a Terry Brooks one, uh, Dean Coons had yep. one. I actually like the Dean Coons one better than the Stephen King one. Um, you know, it's interesting though, cause, but then there's other writers that there's, there's writers that I think are terrible writers that have writing books. And there's some guys I know that like they've made a business out of writing, like how to write books, but their actual writing sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but, but they're, they're selling these how to write books. And I'm like, I wouldn't take this guy's advice on anything because he's an idiot.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I think. Caveat emptor, I guess. Buyer beware. Yeah. So, so Scott, I think the answer to your question is, uh, I mean, it kind of depends on, on you and how you learn, I think.
1: I would say this, I would say this. Um, have an open mind. Listen to everything. Discard what you do not think fits.
2: Except us, because we're always right.
1: Oh yeah, except for writer dojo, obviously, because you know we're yeah. we're never we're we're never incorrect. We're or never wrong. <laughs> you know, <the> <laughs> is, I see a lot of writing advice out there, and that's why we do the little segments of the show where we will take bad writing advice and mock it. Yeah, because there's more bad writing advice out there in the world than there is good writing advice.
2: Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. We, we hope that, uh, that you supporters out here who, who got the shout outs today, um, that, uh, that our answer satisfied you. Of course, look, if, if, you, if you have more questions, um, like we always say, that's one of the perks of being a supporter. Um, that and, and supporting my barbecue uh, smoked meat habit. So if you want to support us, um, become a supporter. You know, anywhere from 99 cents to 10 bucks a month, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, we appreciate every cent of it. Um, and Larry's son definitely appreciates um, when I smoke barbecue for him. It's so good. It is. So uh, yeah, that's Actually,
1: it. I have one son that's addicted to brisket you now. That's
2: you. right. Um, yeah, well, it's expensive these days. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's it from us for today. So uh, once again, this is the Rider Dojo. Take it easy.
1: Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa, produced by Jack Wilder and
0: Bear and Hair Studios. the song, Word Mercenaries, by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com.
1: Wow, this was so much better than the real college creative writing class.